Greetings and welcome to episode 21 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales. Very excited to be bringing another episode of the show to you. It's the show where we get to hear original classical guitar music from around the world, sent in by listeners like you. And as I promised in the last episode, we're trying something new today, and man, I'm excited. So I'm going to get right into it. We've got a few things to cover. Um, I absolutely have to talk about the sad passing of the legend Julian Bream, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Just really sad, an amazing guitarist. And, you know, I mean, he was he was an old man, and it's not... At least he lived a nice full life, but I absolutely adore Julian Bream. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. Uh, But regarding the new feature on the show, today is going to be my very first interview with one of our composers. So something I'd like to start doing is having a conversation with some of our contributors to the show and getting to know some of you a little better. It's not something we're going to be doing every episode. Uh, The format of the show is not changing, but every now and then, I would like to splash in an episode like this. I I think you will all enjoy it. I certainly have. And so, I got to have a conversation with Scott Niebauer. Scott Niebauer, as I'm sure most of you know, has been featured on the show a couple of times, and has been a frequent email contributor as well as compositions and Scott as I pointed out a long time ago in a way revitalized this show at a time where I I really was truly ready to give up and uh, Scott sent in some music along with a very nice email and from there the show has really been going pretty strong after it had really been a, a few months um So, additionally, I just know that Scott and I share some similar interests, and I've always enjoyed his sense of humor, Uh, and I I wanted to actually meet him. So, I had a a conversation with Scott, and absolutely enjoyed it. We had some technical difficulties, so I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, About halfway through the interview, the internet in Scott's town just completely went out, and... uh, we weren't able to finish. So we came back the next day and picked up, tried to pick up at least where we had left off. So we actually did this over two days. So what you'll hear is uh, the first part of the interview and then there'll be an ad break. And then when we come back from that, that's picking up the interview the next day. And you know, I'll tell you a, a little not so secret secret, but sometimes I record the show over the course of a weekend. It just, Most of the time, I like to sit down and just do it all at once, but there are times where you just take a little bit at a time, so no big deal. Um, But yeah, I really appreciate Scott coming on, and so here's here's the deal. If uh, you would like to be on the show that way, if you'd like to come on and have a conversation with me, I'd love it. Uh, I want... This is open to contributors of the show, those of you who have already contributed, if you contribute in the future, then I'd like to have that conversation as well in the future, but I'd like to do it after we've heard from you. I, I want it to be uh, an additional thing to us hearing your music, and 
I don't know what the interest is going to be. It's certainly not something I want to do every episode, like I said, but I'm thinking maybe a couple of times a year. So I will give preference to the more frequent contributors of the show. Um, there, but there's many of you I'd really like to just meet and have a conversation with. Martin, I'd certainly like to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I'd love to make that happen if you're interested. Lance, there, there's really any of you. Uh, if you have contributed to this show and, and would like to come on and, and talk talk a little more about composition and, and you know whatever else you want to get into. Something I'd like to do. So we're going to get right into it. I'm not going to do a big long monologue, that's it, but I do have an email and then we, of course, need to talk a little bit about Julian. So, uh, I have an email from our friend Martin Slater, and (laughs) this is from earlier this week, so this is before Julian Bream had passed. I'll just point point that out. Martin writes, Hello, Chris. Here we go again. I think I heard you cast doubt on there ever having been a Villa Lobos. Prelude number six. Well, I think Mr. Bream was pretty sure that there had been one because he actually went to the trouble of playing them in a different order to that published. To quote from the notes in his LP of 1972, Originally, Villa Lobos wrote six preludes during 1939 to 1940, but one of them became mislaid. In order to improve the impact in playing the five together, Julian Bream has rearranged the published order. This is numbers 1, 5, 3, 4, and 2. Further, Wikipedia states that these preludes were dedicated to his wife, Arminda Arminda Neves de Almeida, a.k.a. Mindina, whom Bream certainly met in 1976, admittedly four years after his recording to receive the Villalobos gold medal. She must certainly have known the truth. So, yes, that's that's interesting, Martin. I have, I, I forgot that Julian Bream played those out of order, but I did know that at one point. Martin continues, As a result of this, I got to thinking of my personal experiences of Julian Bream. I've twice got his autograph, but the most significant meeting was after he'd performed a very local and intimate charitable concert in the aid of the Salisbury Cathedral Spire Fund in 1985. You may have heard of Salisbury, as it was where Russian agents poisoned Sergei Skripal and his daughter, causing an inter- international incident in 2018. After the concert, which I attended with my father, we managed to corner him on his way out. Yes, just me, my father, and Julian. One of my objectives on this unique occasion was to get my copy of his Life on the Road signed, but also in the vain attempt to interest him in some of my music. For this attempt, I now eternally regret that I presented him with a copy of my Sonata for Guitar. No, I have not mentioned that before, (laughs) he writes. I really wish I had given him my studies, as I now think 35 years later, that they may have had a better chance of getting his serious attention. Needless to say, my sonata is not actually lost, but somewhere hidden in the loft of my house, but the themes still resound in my head. Such things only happen once in a lifetime, although I did nearly have the opportunity to meet Segovia after a concert at the, at the Barbican in London, but I was too timid to make the attempt. Yeah, I, I'd be afraid to meet Segovia too, had we uh, crossed 
lifetimes. <laughs> but uh, I think I, I especially because I haven't always had the nicest things to say about him. Uh, yeah, I'd find him a very intimidating man. Anyway, Martin continues. Music itself is still in me, but most of my energies in the last 18 years have been spent for my daughter, who plays both piano and cello to grades 7 and 5, respectively. As she is even better at art than music, it has been a constant battle to get her to practice enough, which she has been doing since the age of 7. She is off to Portsmouth University in October to find to study fashion and design, so... Along with you getting me going again, I look forward to more time for my own music making and guitar playing, my personal renaissance. And on the final comical comment, the only one I ever read was called The Eagle, which featured a hero called Dan Dare and an evil green alien called the Mekon, which flew around on its little flying saucer. I even wrote a short sci-fi story called The Cloud, I was still a teenager then, which I submitted to a magazine, which promptly returned it, saying the magazine was about to fold. Admittedly, this was not a rejection, but still, it dis but, but I still destroyed it in a fit of disappointment. I can actually remember the plot, so maybe one day I will try to rewrite it. Martin. And Martin included uh, some pictures for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna post a bit on the website. You can see Martin's autograph from Julian Bream. And like I said, this came before uh, the tragic news of Julian's passing. And I wrote back to Martin that I love the idea of his piece just sitting around like, like Julian just threw it in a pile and somewhere there's like this stack of sheet music in Julian's house and you know, like it, it may go be auctioned off <laughs> uh, as his collection, as part of his collection one day after he passes. And uh, <laughs> Martin, Martin wrote back to me, he said, Chris, it's strange, but I always imagined he binned it, which is why I hid it away. I have now commenced an exhausting search of my loft, which has so far produced a copy of the first page. Your ideas that it still exists in his por portfolio gave me an angle I had not considered and a peculiar sense of anticipation, which will only be realized on the much sadder occasion of his passing. <laughs> and, of course, our conversation could not have been uh, more ill-timed. This was on Tuesday, I believe the news of his passing came out yesterday, Friday. So... I guess it's such an amazing story that you gave Julian a copy of your sonata and cornered him. I, I hope that is somewhere in that collection, Martin. I don't want to go on too long about Julian Bream. I, I, I'll say that his uh, film, Guitarra, is a must-see for all classical guitarists. It's incredible. It's completely focused on the music of Spain and... Uh, Julian Bream is just, he was just, he had relentless energy in pursuing the classical guitar. I, I think that we really owe him so much. He did, he did so much for the classical guitar between commissioning pieces, transcribing pieces, and just 
making it, you know, really adding to Segovia's efforts of making it a truly respected classical instrument. And he was an incredible player, and he had interesting technique. In some ways, he had some bad technique, which he was fully aware of, but it it didn't matter for that guy, man. And he also played so many versions of the guitar. You know, he could play the lute very well, the vihuela, you know. I, I just feel that he was relentless in his pursuits. And um, I love his recordings with John Williams. Julian Bream, uh, I never liked the piece. There's the three Spanish pieces by Rodrigo, and that first one that most people most people seem to just play the first one to play it, but uh, I never liked it until I heard Julian Bream play it, and he completely changed my mind about that piece, so much so that I ordered the sheet music and started working on it, because he had such a way of, of bringing out the different parts, and you know he was an extremely colorful player, I've never met anyone who didn't love Julian Bream, at least that I've talked to about it. But I believe there, in you know, in some of the professional circles, there are those who were not a fan necessarily of the way he played. He, I mean, he was very colorful with his playing. Um, someone told me that Manuel Barwaco told them he was not a Julian Bream fan, you know, and uh, could be true. I, he's certainly a different player than Manuel but Manuel did post a very nice thing about him I think on his Facebook or Twitter or something I don't think anyone whether, whether you liked his playing or not I don't believe there's anyone who doesn't just hold a lot of respect for Julian Bream and one other piece that really stands out by Julian Bream to me is the um, the Grand Sonata by Paganini I've never heard anyone play it like Julian Bream. I like the Grand Sonata. I, I really like Paganini a lot, but I don't really care to hear any other version than Julian Bream's. I wish Julian had published his transcription because it's so good. It is by far the best version of that piece. And uh, <laughs> I knew someone who attempted to transcribe it himself, transcribe Julian's from the recording, but it was just... You know, it's a lot of work, and I don't know if he ever finished it, but he was just an absolute amazing performer. I wish I had been able to see him. That's really cool, Martin, that you you saw him and met him, and that's a really, really neat thing. So with that, we're going to move on to the Scott Niebauer interview, and then we're going to hear a, a piece by, I don't want this to get lost in this massive episode, a piece by Paul Horn. And I believe Paul just sent us a, a single work, so we'll hear that after the Scott interview. And one other thing, uh, there's a lot of like weird little audio artifacting going on in this interview. I think the service I used, it, it may not be the most clean as far as like the recording it produced, but it allowed us to do this it's also possible that my mic is uh, going dead on me. There's like my mic kept cutting out, um, which I didn't notice during the time. So I don't know if it was from the service we were using or if it's because my daughter dropped it the other day, knocked it off the shelf. So, uh, but there's some other like weird pops and stuff going on. But in spite of that, 
I think Scott and I had a really great conversation. So with that, I'm going to shut up. Here it is. And then we will hear some music. All right. Well, Scott, first of all, I just wanted to tell you I'm really excited to actually talk to you. I feel like you're probably as good a friend as I have, having never met them. Crazy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's great to talk to you. Um, I want to just also ask you a couple of questions regarding composition. Uh, I was curious when you started composing. Uh, did you did you begin? with classical guitar or were you more of like a whatever you'd call it a rock guitarist or how did you come to the classical guitar and I guess the next part would be at what point did you start composing as well all right yeah great question <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> well I had a friend uh grew up in a small town in uh New York State, and uh, had a friend who at a very young age uh, got a drum set. And he had some older brothers that had like beat up electric guitars laying around. And I went over there one time and he was playing drums and his brother was playing one of these guitars that had like two or three strings on it, just playing like the simplest thing. And I just saw him play that guitar and just something clicked and I was like, wow, I was mesmerized. And I wanted to play guitar and I didn't care. Probably I wanted electric guitar more, but you know, my first guitar, I just think like, I got a toy guitar from Toys R Us or something. And uh, I have a lot of older brothers and sisters and I had found like a, you know, a chord book, like from, you know, like the 1960s kind of chord book. Uh -huh. I got my little toy guitar and I was trying to make these shapes, you know, and I just couldn't be, couldn't be dissuaded, you know, and eventually my dad bought me my first steel string acoustic guitar, you know, and, uh, so when you, uh, when you were learning those chord shapes, was the guitar in tune? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure it was, I didn't even <laughs> think it was playable. I was just trying to make these shapes, you know, and, and I remember one time I broke a string on my guitar and I used a yo-yo string for it. <laughs> <laughs> just so I could get by like I had to play guitar <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> yeah and then I asked uh, that because yeah like I said I asked that because uh my dad gave me you know his electric when I was a kid he didn't play anymore but he had this Fender Mustang and uh I mean the thing wasn't in tune at all right and I would I would like look at like posters of say you know a guitarist I'd see like a poster of Joe Perry, right? And I would try to I would try to match what shape he was making. Oh, good idea! Like with his fingers. <laughs> He's probably in the middle of a solo, but you know. And I like, yeah, you know, find my way on the fretboard. But then, of course, I didn't know the I didn't even know a guitar had to be tuned. You know, of course, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's like one of the most challenging parts of like teaching someone to play guitar. It is. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good idea though. Looking at the shapes, I never thought I would have never thought to do that. <laughs> I <laughs> and even now, that's how I approach some of my compositions. Just pick a crazy hand shape and then hear what comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> it's like, what have I not done yet? You know what? What could I possibly stack up here that right, right. I haven't done? 
<laughs> oh, that's cool. So actually, uh, that yeah. Go sorry, ahead. The, I was just saying the uh, first time I learned it, I I had somebody show me. He was sitting there playing uh, something on an electric, and I asked him to show me how to do it. And I could, you know, I picked it up fairly quickly. At least I thought I did. But uh, I ran home. And I was excited to show my mom, and I, I pulled that Fender Mustang out and went to play it for her. And of course, the guitar wasn't in tune, so it sounded nothing like it had at his house. You know, that's yeah. And she's she yeah. like, "That's very good. That's very nice, dear." I think that's about when she was like, "It's time for lessons." If you really want to, do this. so yeah, yeah. Well, we also had an old uh, trumpet in the attic. And, uh, you know, my dad is like, well, if you want to play music, take this trumpet and go play in high school band or school band. So I did that. Never got along with the trumpet very well. But, you know, my band teacher there in high school was very influential. And he said, well, if you want to play guitar, uh, you know, you should take up classical guitar. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and my brother, he said, my brother-in-law happens to teach classical guitar. So I got a classical guitar and started taking lessons. So it was pretty shortly after I started guitar that I started classical. So I was, I also had electric guitar at the time. I guess I got my electric guitar first, you know, and I was doing the band with my drummer buddy, but I was also practicing classical guitar at the same time. So very thankful for, for that, you know, for supportive parents and supportive band teacher. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, so you you kind of started approaching classical fairly young then, young in in guitar wise. Right. Yeah, I'd probably been playing electric guitar like a year before I started playing classical. Yeah. And just so have you have you played uh, all this time classical? Yeah, I've I've kept up both sides, electric guitar and classical guitar. Nice. And singing and songwriting. You know, so some of my first compositions when I got that guitar were just, you know, I would write my own songs just using the E minor chord and the A, uh, what do you call that chord? The A with the open B in it. Oh, yeah, like the A2. A yeah, that's uh, my favorite guitar yeah. chord right there. <laughs> that is a great chord. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, just those two chords and whatever whatever lyrics I thought of. That was it. Right on. <laughs> I was just, um, I was looking through your score for uh, the descriptive pieces, which we featured last time mm. uh, we did you on the show. And uh, and we've talked about this, um, but it's something I really like about your music. And I hear this in that new one you sent me too, that uh, your music is very written to the guitar. You know, I'm wondering, you know, how much you're... When you're composing, are you really uh, trying to write more idiomatically? Or maybe you're not thinking about it. I'm just curious. Uh, I often will find myself like trying to force something I'm wanting onto the guitar. And then I find it's easier if I just let the guitar do its thing and, you know...
think that is mostly it. I'll just pick up the guitar and, like I said, a lot of times just, what does it sound like if I put my fingers here? <laughs> nice. Yeah. And instead of, you know, oh, I have this wonderful melody in my head that I can't get rid of. You know, I, I wish it was more of that, uh, you know, or sitting down and saying, I'm going to do a composition that does this, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. like, man, I got 15 minutes. I'm going to pick up the guitar, pick up my pencil, see if I can get anything that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, you know, despite all of my, despite having studied music composition in college, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to write guitar music. I didn't want to write for woodwind quintet, although I do love that ensemble. I love the sound of that ensemble, you know? Yeah. But you know, you know, the first thing that your composition teacher wants you to do is, you know, piano and voice, you know, so I did some of that, <clears throat> but I just always wanted to write for guitar and now that's all I do. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? You know, I mean, it's just me. Well, it's, it's more fun. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot more satisfying when you can play what you wrote. And uh, yeah. when I when I started studying composition, I was writing for all kinds of like little ensembles, right? And I was writing a lot of I was writing a lot of um, keyboard music that I couldn't really play, and I can kind of hack my way on a keyboard, but not really, right? You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, at some point, I just I want to just only write guitar music personally. Yeah. And I guess, I guess probably my teachers thought, well, you know, that's not going to be the way that you grow and learn and, you know, expand your horizons and all that kind of stuff. So I can understand, you know, I can understand why they didn't want me to just write guitar music. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, it definitely, it definitely doesn't hurt, but I would say there's a challenge to writing guitar music. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, it, I think it's a hard instrument to write for. That's that's what I've heard. Non non guitarists that attempt to compose music for guitar uh, struggle with it, I guess, which is hard to understand because that's all we know. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. There's five different places you can play the same note, or how many? Three different places. You know. True. I, I'll tell you, I've come across uh, parts that were written like ensemble things where the composer really did not know the guitar very well. And it's, <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll write stuff that's not very possible or practical and, you know, right. Have you, right. have you played much, uh, of like the 20th century stuff written for Segovia? That's like, you know, that a lot of these non guitarists were writing for him, but then he was trying to help them shape it to the yeah, guitar not a, not a, yeah, whole, not a lot to me not a, a whole bit lot to me a little bit Albanese, of these albanese and uh toroba uh, um i was playing that piece that's um, called, i was playing that piece that's um, called toregano toregano looks like it should be looks like it should be toregano i love that one yeah 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 so i don't know so i don't know how much of that how much of that is segovia's influence or what well i think there had to have been some understanding from Taroba. I, that's one of my favorites, actually. I've got notes on what Segovia changed from the original. Right. And and it it's pretty minimal. So he probably helped him along, but uh, 
I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think that's such a cool piece. Uh, I like all those castles of Spain. Yes, yeah, those are very Do you, nice, uh, too. Are you uh, a big classical fan in general, or somewhat? Like, do you have a favorite composer? Yeah, you know, I guess I was, you know, influenced more by popular music, you know, and I, I got into classical music more when I was in college, you know, definitely like the Debussy, Ravel, Stravinsky, those spoke to me a lot, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't listen to as much classical music as I, as I, as I ought to, you know. <laughs> but uh, so know, they say <laughs> so they say I mean there's just so much more you know beauty and so much more to appreciate and you know you know in classical music because there's so much more going on you know but somehow somehow we just like what we like you know like I started well I was gonna say like my first influence I saw this movie. I don't know if you remember this te television channel. Is it USA Up All Night on early cable yeah. TV? Yeah. There's this movie called Another State of Mind that uh, followed the, the band Social Distortion and Youth Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a huge influence on me. There's this scene where Mike Ness, the singer from Social Distortion, is working out this new song and he's playing it on acoustic guitar. And then later on, they show him playing it on electric guitar with distortion, just like in his little practice room or something. Yeah. And that just really took me. So then I got into, then I read, well, you know, the Sex Pistols, you know, and like how these punks, they don't even tune their guitars and everything. <laughs> so right. I got that, I got that Sex Pistol album and I was like, it sounded like very slick production and everything was really in tune to me. <laughs> But there's this album that's called the mini album of Sex Pistols. It's hard to find. It's just like a little EP. And they have this version of this song called Satellite. And it starts off with ba 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 and then everything fades out. And then you just hear this electric distorted guitar come in and go Something about that sound. It's just that sound right there. Just grabbed you. It just grabbed me. I don't know what it is. And then I got into Sonic Youth a lot. There's this other show called Snub TV on the same channel. That yeah. would play. That would play like, uh, you know, the cutting edge happy hour. Would play like uh, I don't know alternative music. I guess you call it. Uh -huh. You know, I got into Sonic Youth quite a bit. And uh, so that's that's some of the earliest stuff that I got into. The guitarist, I really like. Uh, <clears throat> I really like like mellow kind of kind of stuff too like uh, there's this guitarist Steve Tibbetts two B's two T's his stuff is just really really nice I like a lot with silences and percussion and he has this one album I think it's Big Map Idea where it's there's tabla in there so like tabla oh, yeah. and acoustic guitar just such a nice sound such a nice sound and, and I've found this composer is named Lauge. I don't know how you pronounce it. L-A-U-G-E. He has this stuff that's just very, I guess, new age, you might say. I was influenced a little bit by new age. But Leo Brower, you know. Mm -hmm. Leo Brower is tops. 
I did his studies. I still love those studies and the uh, the eternal spiral. That that piece just really grabs me. Right on. I'm uh, I'm not. I have not gotten into Brower, but I I do enjoy it. But a, a lot of what I've heard about him is that his stuff is very playable and you know kind of fun to play. Yeah. Because it just fits the guitar so yes. well. Yes, yes, it's great. And he did try to use some influences of like uh, uh, popular music, like um, Edward Van Halen kind of inspired things in some of his <laughs> in some of his compositions. Um, yeah, I had a great opportunity to meet Brower last year in March. I really? think I went to the Buffalo State, uh, did a little Brower and Buffalo festival. I went and played some Decameron Negro for him, you know, just oh, incredible wow. experience, incredible man. So that was like, ah, I had him sign my, sign my copies of the studies, you know? So if I have a musical hero, be, that would be Leo Brower. Definitely. Another composer. That is a, <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible, you just dropped an incredible thing there. So wait, I know. how did it, how did it go? Uh, did you play well for him? Yeah, <laughs> you always <laughs> want to do better, don't you? But <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's just because I was coming at it, you know, like I have, you know, haven't been practicing that heavily, you know, and, and doing other things and working. And I'm like, here's this Brower thing. And I'm like, I'm going to go to it, you know, and <laughs> Sign me <laughs> like up. I started, I started staying up till midnight trying to practice every night so I could be ready. And I was as right ready on. as I could be at that point. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's know, really cool. Yeah, so it's, it, you say that was up in Buffalo. Yes, yeah, Buffalo State, Buffalo State University. There, they have a really great guitar program. Okay. Now, are you still in Florida? I'm in Florida. Yeah, uh, near yeah, near so, Daytona Beach area. So, did you just travel up there for that? Yeah, yeah, just nice. sort of on a whim. So I'm going to do it. I mean. <laughs> Right Nobody on. said anything about like, well, you're not a student here or anything, are you? They just, they just, <laughs> just welcome to be with open arms. So, <laughs> just goes to show you can do it if you want to. <laughs> Man, that's 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 awesome. For what it's worth, you know, <laughs> it's just an experience I had. Also, another piece I love, uh, "Sunburst" by Andrew York. You know that piece? I do. That's a great piece. So I had a, I uh, yes, I say I. I worked on it for a while, but I got sick of that tuning. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with alternate tunings, man. Yeah, they're confusing. But that is a, yeah, that is such a great piece. I know though. you've mentioned that Kuyun Baba piece before. The, yeah, the king of alternate that. tunings. Oh, a, I want. <laughs> yeah, that one's a real inconvenient <laughs> thing. But, uh, but once you get there, yeah, it's I worth love it. the sound of it. I'd like to tackle that one sometimes. Another of my favorite composers, Roland Dion's. Not sure how you pronounce his name either. You know, D-Y-E-N-S, uh, sadly, yeah. he just... I think my teacher always called him Dion. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that's... Yeah, as you are saying, he's yeah. passed. Incredible, like... incredible music. I really love his compositions. And Sergio Assad, some of his compositions, uh, Aquarelle, I played that a little bit. You know, there's, oh, just really? some, there's just some music that's just like, wow, you know, it just, it'll grab, it'll grab yeah. you, or it'll grab me, and... I don't know why or what it is or what those composers have done. You know, my only guess is that they work on their music 16 hours a day, you know? <laughs> um, 
Pat Metheny. Pat yeah. Metheny is another big one, you know, where I read, you know, that's, that's, he would practice 16 hours a day. And so <laughs> I guess that shows, yeah. you know, that's true. I, I like to think that I at least used to practice a lot. Uh, Cause I will say this when my parents put me in guitar lessons, they never had to tell me to go practice. Right. Like you could not keep the guitar out of my hands. Right. And so when, when I was teaching, I'm not really teaching anymore, but I, you know, I didn't really know what to say to parents when they'd say, how do I get my kid to practice? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If they don't want to practice, I, what, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's frustrating uh, because you say you can't just go to your guitar lesson. You, you, what? <laughs> You're not gonna. Yeah, I, there's no greater pleasure than practicing guitar. I don't know. What do you mean they're not practicing? <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess. But but some of these guys, yeah, I don't know. I I imagine it's the same thing with composition. If you're composing every single day, you're gonna yes. get better. Yes. Yes. My composition teacher uh, in in college, in my undergrad. He used to say things. He would say things like, "You have to, you have to get it to where it's like a a, a, a tap, like a water faucet, you know, and it's just right there on the surface." And he would talk about like, you know, how like little kids love to go and play. It's like that's what it has to be for composing. You just, and you know, when you get into it, when you're doing it all the time, it is like that. You sort of you build it up, you build it up, but it takes it takes that it takes that time and persistence to get to that point where it's like a water fountain or a faucet rather right. <laughs> fire hydrant whatever it is for you <laughs> for some people <laughs> yeah and you know there's so many other things that go on in your life you know you gotta get your car fixed and you gotta mow the lawn and you know yeah all that kind of stuff it's it's easy to get sprinklers is my current sprinklers. battle <laughs> so that stuff is fun too but it's like no. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather it's, be uh, composing. I need to get that bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. I find my, uh, it takes me a while to find the groove, but then if, if I will stick with it long enough, um, right. I have a hard time turning it off. You know, I'm like sitting here thinking about my music in the store or wherever. And uh, that's usually when I've actually finished something, you know, is when I just, I, it becomes like an obsession, mm -hmm. but it, it takes a while for me to get there. Right. You know, it's, I guess it's often like, uh, I love to play the guitar. I don't necessarily always want to do my scales. Sure. Um, but if I do my scale routine by the end of it, I'm having a blast just doing scales. Cause yeah, you know, they can be quite fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know that initial uh that initial beginning i don't know everyone's got their own scale routine but if i do mine fully it takes like 45 minutes which is just absurd because i don't practice for four hours a day anymore right. i used to so right but i you know I, I don't really know how to bring down that scale routine because i find it's just too helpful to not use it hmm. anyway yeah Anyway, yeah. <laughs> what else? <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about current projects, but you sent me a, a brand new thing. Yeah. You were saying uh, 
you called it a demo, so that's why I was asking if there was a, if you were planning on doing another recording. But uh, no, I did think it sounded great. I was surprised you did that with just a phone. Yeah, just a garage band on my iPhone. That's pretty pretty good uh, results. I mean, especially for solo classical guitar, it kind of seems like it can only sound so good, you know, even in even with really high quality microphones and you know high quality studio and all that. It's not really. In my, for my ear, it's not that much different from a decent GarageBand recording, <laughs> but that just shows that I don't have good ears, probably. <laughs> I, I'm sure your ears are fine. I think it's um, thank you. I think it's the excitement of neat microphones and preamps and you know, uh, boards with lots of lights on them. You know. There's an alert to that. Yeah. <laughs> and a nice room. Yeah. But of course, you know, high quality classical guitar makes a difference too. So that's something that I Yeah. I gotta step up my game on too. I just have a uh uh what am I recording with? It's a s- Alvarez Yairi. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I know. A nicer guitar is going to give you a lot nicer sound, and I can definitely hear that. You can definitely hear it just when you play the low E on one of these, you know, mm-hmm. $8,000, $10,000 guitars. You know, yeah, there's a difference, a big difference. Hey, like me, are you addicted to sheet music? Then let me tell you about Encoda. Encoda is an app that lets you practice, play, and perform your sheet music. It is a streaming service similar to Netflix and Spotify with tens of thousands of titles. That's millions of pages of sheet music available instantly at your fingertips. Subscribers have access to the finest editions from Boozy and Hawks, Baron Ryder, Chester, Novello, and many, many more. And they have received praise from Sir Simon Rattle and Joyce D. Donato. And if you're not sure, you can sign up for a free trial. Download Encoda from your app store today. That's Encoda. N-K-O-D-A. And be sure to let them know that the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast sent you.